This paid commercial may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. Today's episode brings you data center optimization strategies in government. Here's your host, Luke McCormick. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss best practices with data center optimization strategy in the federal government. With me today on the show are Stephen Rice, Deputy Chief Information Officer, Department of Homeland Security. Monique Bork, Assistant Director of Infrastructure and Applications Engineering, Department of Justice. Frank Konischke, Chief Technology Officer, U.S. Air Force. Anthony Vizzinelli, Federal Technology Director, Enlight Software. David McCamber, Executive Vice President, Public Sector, QTS Data Centers. And Jonathan Album, Digital Transformation Leader, Veritas. Well, we've been on quite a journey here uh, with data center optimization, data center virtualization. We started with the 25-point plan that was, what, a decade ago. And, uh, you know, we really took a lot of time as a community to learn how to count data centers, right? You know, uh, what is a data center and trying to define a data center. And then finally started to raise a level of maturity about, uh, you know, what, what, what is really inside that data, what is running in that data center, and really looking at how to optimize and really try to uh, calculate computing, right? And that's really where we're at at this point. Uh, so I just want to start with you, Steve. Um, can you give us some examples of the progress that you're making with data center consolidation and optimization at Department of Homeland Security. Thank you, Luke. I think the greatest uh, story I'd like to be able to discuss is really a greater understanding of what the data center construct looks like for the department. DHS has two primary data centers. It's a federated model where we have a lot of compute and storage across multiple infrastructures, uh, multiple application tiers, multiple data tiers. I think the greatest success story is familiarizing the CFO as to the recapitalization concerns of owning and operating such a large, complex environment. Also ensuring that there's understanding across each of the CIOs of their application tier. And then familiarizing the Chico community, CFO community, CPO community, as well as the CIO community about what are the possibilities of cloud computing and then how does that allow you to change your construct from owning and operating two large complex data centers. Yeah, you really do have to have that goal congruence, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the whole CXO community needs to understand sort of the focus of the goal and what their role is in that and then drive towards these uh, these sort of common uh, collective goals. Well, so. These are strategic investments and when you start looking at the size of a department uh, as large and complex as DHS, you need buy-in across the entire CXO community if you're going to make any changes or if you're going to um, enhance the efficiencies of these operations. Sure. Frank, how about you over at the Air Force? How, how are we doing on data center consolidation over there? Well, we have, we have a slightly different philosophy. We don't want to own our data centers anymore. We want it to be outsourced. We want to outsource everything. So a lot of the effort has been moving, determining what <coughs> applications that we can actually move as software as a service to commercial clouds as well as what how can we actually outsource the base application, the base data centers? And we really want to do that because, uh, first of all, we don't have any MailCon to actually do any more development work whatsoever. A lot of it's been used already. And secondly, uh, we want to keep the airmen out of doing what we like to call commodity work. We like to have them do mission because we have a 
a decrease in the <coughs> decrease in the number of airmen that we actually have on on staff right now. So removing and you'll you'll see this in our other philosophy too is that we're actually doing the same thing with the base infrastructure. So as we take a, a base which is 126 plus depending on how you count them, we will outsource not only the base infrastructure, we'll also outsource the data center in that base. And the assumption being that we'll have SLAs as to the power utilization and everything else. Now, that's kind of interesting because some of the things we, besides that, we have other things like solar arrays that we have to keep track of for energy. And we're doing that like in California. We have lots of solar array uh, farms like in Edwards Air Force Base that we have to keep track of and maintain that and know exactly what we're doing for the energy on, on the particular bases. Mm -hmm. And that also goes for some of the other bases as well where we have chemical facilities and everything else that we're actually starting to monitor all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think trying to, uh, you know, get rid of this technical debt, if you will, right, and, and put it in the hands of, uh, of uh, the vendor community that knows how to do that really well and let an airman be an airman, right? I mean, right. it makes a perfect sense. Uh, Anthony, how about uh, the vendor community? How are you helping bring this together and help our agencies out as far as you know reaching this re really strategic and important goal? Yeah, sure. So at, at Enlight, we, we continue to help uh, customers make progress with uh, the data center optimization initiative, uh, helping to meet those metrics. Um, and we do that by helping them meet all five metrics that are that are available in the, in, um, uh, in, in the uh, as goals in the, in the, in the DCOI, uh, but we also help customers continue to rationalize some of the some of the things that that both both Steve and, and, and Frank have said it, to say, well, what should move when, uh, which applications should move to which services, uh, to be able to do the uh, advanced analytics that are necessary for that, be able to determine the telemetry that should be gathered to make those decisions, um, and then ultimately to be able to determine cost savings. That's, that's what we're trying to present those analytics to our customers to help them make those decisions and then, you know, and therefore drive, you know, mature processes, be able to then do other steps that would be, uh, you know, auditing of that equipment, auditing of the process, um, asset integrity monitoring, right? Those types of things um, that, uh, that the, the data set that we can provide uh, can help these folks uh, uh, get better answers. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think anywhere that we can get this fine-grained uh, metering uh, into the environment, right, to make good choices as we make these trade-off decisions about, uh, you know, is, is, is this capability better than that capability? It's very difficult to do that if you don't know where you stand uh, in regards to uh, trying to instrument uh, the entire environment and make sure you can do it in a fine-grained Sure. Uh, capability, so that's fantastic. Sure. And the challenge, and the challenge for these folks are that you know someone like Frank, who's looking to move out of the data center space, also needs to measure the thing that they're moving away from. Right. So they need to, you know, they're in a sort of a catch twenty two of uh, how do I measure that? So I have to invest in a measurement to then get rid of it, right? So of we, course, we try right. to help that. Uh, but it takes a little bit of an investment. It's a small investment to start to instrument and meter what you're really spending your, your dollars on yes, so you can make good choices. How about a QTS? How are you guys doing? And uh, what are you doing in regards to helping on this journey? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, as a commercial data center provider, we love Frank's answer. I mean, when he says he doesn't want to own it and wants to go into other places, that's perfect for us. So we support the federal government in three ways. It's, or it's uh, examples like Frank just gave of where the uh, agency doesn't want to own their own and they want to come out to commercial third 
third-party data centers, whether it's because of space restrictions, power, cost, or those types of things. The second thing that we do is we focus on providing the infrastructure to support the CSPs that agencies like Frank's and Steve's are going to um, in the cloud. We support those or organizations. And then third, when specific programs come out that need hybrid computing, where it's a mix of both on-prem and in the cloud, that's where QTS fits in and working very closely with the systems integrator community. And I would say, you know, the majority of these systems, at least in the beginning, are going to be a hybrid configuration, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, sure, there's some organic build going on in these, uh, in these uh, cloud environments, but a lot of this stuff is a hybrid mm -hmm. capability. And I'm glad to see that we're continuing to build out that capacity. Jonathan, how about at Veritas? Where does Veritas sure. fit into this So, picture? you know, Ver Veritas is a uh, multi-cloud data management uh, company. And the fact of the matter is uh, it's going to be a hybrid environment for a long time. And as agencies move to the cloud, they're going to move to multiple clouds. And to the person at the who needs the data in those different systems, they don't really care where the data is, whether it's in a... Uh, Microsoft Azure or Amazon or in uh, some on-premise uh, computing center, ultimately an agency needs access to all of that data. And the technologies that, that Veritas offers really uh, supports agencies to visualize their data, understand where it is, manage it in a way that helps drive value from disaster recovery to storage optimization. Um, those are key components in any in any computing environment, on-premise or in the cloud or, or hybrid. You know, I, I'd also add that um, sometimes, and I saw this when I worked in the government, as we entered into uh, cloud agreements, uh, as you read the fine print, you start to realize, well, um, the cloud service provider, they're going to have SLAs around the infrastructure. They're going to bring the infrastructure back up. You still have responsibilities around your applications and your data. That's on the consumer, right? So um, backup and recovery in the cloud, disaster recovery in the cloud, resiliency in the cloud uh, are really important topics that uh, Veritas focuses on and supports our customers. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, we're, it's all about the data, right? And it's all about high availability. And uh, I think uh, many of us have gone through the pain of trying to understand uh, that dynamic of you know true recovery and doing it in a, in a clean and crisp way. Um, so let's talk about <clears throat> some examples uh, where there's been successes, and uh, you know we'll, we'll ask Enlight uh, uh, to start out. Where are you working with some agencies that you can highlight some successes that you've seen out there yeah. uh, in the early stages, late stage, wherever they are in, their, in that uh, journey? Yeah, sure. So, um, Social Security Administration has been a, a pioneer and a, and a thought leader in this space as far as fully embracing the data center optimization initiatives and and being able to invest in their in their data center uh, they had a they have a brand new data center um, that they built that they had sort of the metering and the monitoring that was necessary already on site to be able to do the measurement measuring that was necessary for for meeting those metrics so they they really um, embraced those uh, embraced uh, change in their organization uh, identified the collection of a lot of data, updated their their asset data records, um, and and are moving forward down that process, uh, down that path. Um, there are a, a lot of other uh, agencies that are um, are well on that uh, on their way to doing that to doing sure. that same thing. And uh, you know, look, that that uh, it's nice to start with a green field, but even with a grilled, uh, green field. Uh, there, there is a lot of culture that goes along with this, a lot of refactoring of skills and the like, and 
Steve, how about at DHS? I know you guys are kind of going through that right mm -hmm. now and, and, and sort of working your way through that process. I Tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you all have been successful over there. I think one, um, one project that I think was extremely successful that I'd like to note is the Homeland Security Information Network, mm. uh, HISN. Within DHS is really one of the systems uh, for uh, sharing state, local, tribal, federal uh, information sharing to ensure that we have the right information in the right jurisdiction's hands to make sure we can make much more informed decisions. Typically had been run as a legacy platform on-prem uh, between our two data centers, but based on what we discussed earlier about recapitalization as well as uh, speed to delivery, we made a determination to move that out to the AWS cloud. Completed that work uh, late fall uh, last year. Uh, and I got to be honest, it's driven our costs down and it's also provided us a greater operational capability than we had on-prem. It's a, a, a double bottom line, as we like to say, right? You know, a reduced cost and greater availability. What's not to love, right? It, it ties back to understanding your models. I mean, you know, understanding your recapitalization concerns and finding out that they're unsustainable. And we talked earlier in a conversation about, you know, outsourcing your, your, all of your data centers. I don't think that's really the strategy that we're going to be able to be embrace at DHS. It's going to be a hybrid model. And in a hybrid model, we under, have to understand where you make architectural decisions about applications that you may want to sunset, uh, data sets that you might want to commingle, and then also where is the best uh, compute environment available, based not, not contractually, mm -hmm. but also with the skill sets you have available within your federal contract staff, because we get very concerned about computing in too wide of an environment that we can't understand the architectural design as well as the security controls around that data. Right, and speaking of the data, Jonathan, how about uh, at Veritas? Can you give us an example of where you're working with an agency sure. that's well, been you know, really successful? I don't think it's just one agency, many. Sure. Uh, and we're looking and we're seeing similar things. We have, um, you know, capabilities that support agencies to move data between clouds, right? There's uh, a lot of concern about a vendor lock-in. And um, we, it's, e you know, <laughs> it's easy to get in, it's hard to get out. It's, uh, you know, Hotel California, right, with, uh, with your data at times. So the fact of the matter is agencies are aware of uh, the perils of um, using a particular vendor and not being able to leave that vendor at some point. So we're seeing a lot of interest in technologies that, that we have to drive, to allow um, uh, application and data portability between, between clouds. That's a, there's a real interest there, and understandably so. Elasticity is very important, right? I mean, and competition is what made this country great, and I think that's a, a fair concept. Uh, uh, Dave, how about at QTS? Um, give us an example of... I think uh, that you, you mentioned elasticity, that's incredibly sure. important, but in our space as well, security and compliance are just as important. And um, QTS's model is predominantly going through systems integrators, and the systems integrators come to us uh, from a programmatic perspective because we can handle FISMA low to FISMA high. We mm -hmm. can handle the, I, the DOD impact levels one to four. We can even do ICD 705 type environments with the highly classified. So those are the things that we're seeing more and more from a programmatic standpoint is the integrators coming to us with programs that need these high levels of security and compliance. Fantastic. Um, Frank, how about an example at the Air Force? Can you give us one example of where you've been able to take a, you know, a, a consolidate a data center, shut a data center down, move a whole workload. Uh, yeah, tell us, uh, give us a good well, example the, the of a success story. The best we have story. right now is when we, we were looking at how we were going to manage our, our MIL PDS or MIL MERPER system, which is for the, for the airmen. 
And it was like sitting in Dessa, and we decided this was not going to work for us because we had to do updates and everything else, and it wasn't working. And what does that system do? It actually manages uh, military personnel for airmen. Wow. Okay. It's a, it's Very a personnel important issue. critical system. It's a critical system, and we decided we have we had to fix it. We had to update it. We had to do something with it. We could have pushed it inside to inside ourselves, and we said that's even interesting. But then we didn't want to do that per se because it was going to take a lot of airmen's effort to actually do that and maintain it. So we actually moved it to a particular commercial cloud where it's actually worked even better than we thought we would work. I mean, we had it working through the, the DUD cap. It's at um, IL-4, which has eventually moved to IL-5. But the, um, the issue was <coughs> we weren't sure how the SLAs were going to work. <coughs> and we found out that basically it, w it worked even better than we thought it was going to work. We had no security issues whatsoever. They worked with us to figure that out. And so that's what gave us the emphasis. Yeah, maybe we should do more software as a service out there for the applications that are sitting on base. <coughs> and we're looking at it both ways. Um, we'll either go, <coughs> lose my voice. We'll, we, we'll either go to, uh, in fact, we have a whole uh, group now that is looking at all the applications and they're doing some of the baselining for determining the engineering analysis associated with what's necessary to determine where they should actually move. Should they, is there critical applications that need to be sitting at the base yet? or not, or can they be moved to a commercial cloud, or in this case, a DUD cloud, as the case may be. Sure. And so we're looking at all alternatives, and they're doing the analysis right now, and they've done, they've migrated 15 applications, they have 20 more that they're working on right now, and with the goal of getting at least 100 through for this fiscal year. Fantastic, sounds like a uh, built up a level of confidence working on a mission critical system, and uh, you're off to the races. Uh, Monique, how about you at the Department of um, Justice? Uh, can you tell us a success story where you've been able to move an environment, uh, mm -hmm. uh, consolidate an environment right. um, uh, into the cloud or, or just consolidate yeah. a data center, right. collapse a data center? Yeah, so yes, Luke, we have a number of great stories. Um, uh, you know, some of them large, some of them small. Uh, uh, one that we've recently uh, wrapped up is um, within our U.S. trustee program, so it's a smaller component, it has enterprise footprint nationwide, um, only about 1,200 employees, but nationwide 100 offices, um, they do the bankruptcy, handle the watchdog for the bankruptcy filings throughout the U.S., so, so um, enterprise issues, um, uh, you know, shrinking budgets, so they uh, have gone lock, stock, and barrel to um, Azure cloud mm -hmm. uh, over the last couple of years. So mm -hmm. really dug in, made that happen. Um, and they're looking at life cycle savings of, you know, 100 to 300 percent in the out years. Wow. So they had already were a fully virtualized um, um, platform. Um, they had their coop. Um, um, and, and so they've taken both their production center and their coop and they're um, moving that within the core enterprise facilities within the department for their backup and then um, and then everything else in the cloud. Um, and they're just wrapping up, you know, I see the department's closing one of its largest data centers. Um, we're wrapping up the, you know, um, the last few moves out of its one of its major local data centers this month, um, and um, and they're they're moving out of there. So they've really great success story. Um, it's something you know where we've shared across the uh, government community. Mm -hmm. So they've done a full cost analysis and tracking, and they're looking at further savings long term as they continue to um, reduce their footprint. You know, it's incredible. Uh, so uh, it's two hundred plus percent. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to talk more about this fantastic subject, but. 
Right now, we're uh, going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Agencies and organizations are being challenged to manage and protect explosive data growth while making that data available 24-7 and turning it into meaningful information to support critical decisions. How can you do this? With DLT Solutions and Veritas, you can optimize your data center strategy while still achieving your agency's need for data availability, growth, protection, and optimization. To learn more, visit dlt.com backslash data strategy or call 1-800-262-4DLT. Enlight is the leading software company for data center infrastructure management. Whether using their own data centers or deploying resources in the cloud, Enlight helps hundreds of organizations increase efficiencies and decrease costs of managing infrastructure. Recognized as a leader by Gartner Research, Enlight has over 20 U.S. federal agencies using or deploying their solution, which includes a module specifically to help meet the requirements of the Federal Data Center Optimization Initiative. For more information, visit Enlight.com. Complex government mandates. Budget uncertainties, rapidly evolving IT. Keeping agency missions on pace has never been more challenging. QTS can help. Our hybrid cloud solutions are purpose-built for the federal landscape. FISMA and FedRAMP compliant. JAB approved. Over 60 active ATOs. Learn more about our hybrid government cloud solutions at qtsdatacenters.com federal. QTS, it's where IT is going. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. We're talking about data center virtualization, data center optimization, strategies around all those capabilities. Uh, with me today, we have Stephen Rice, Department of Homeland Security, Monique Bort, Department of Justice, Frank Konishki, U.S. Air Force, Anthony Visnelli, Enlight Software, David McCamber, QTS Data Centers, and Jonathan Album, Digital Transformation Leader, Veritas. Uh, we were talking about data center virtualization. We were talking about cloud computing, managed services. How do those things sort of fit together as you're looking at consolidation, right? We, we talked about we're, we're no longer counting uh, you know, how many data centers we have. We're really talking about optimizing data centers. How do those, those different, uh, concepts and those different technologies sort of fit into the overall strategy. Steve, let's start with you. Uh, from DHS perspective, they're interlinked with other initiatives. Uh, when we start looking at optimization of data centers, we know we're going to be moving into a hybrid structure. We need to uh, understand our transport layers. We talked about interconnection with the cloud. So as we start talking about uh, data center optimization, it ties to our cloud strategy. It also ties to the ES, EIS GSA contract. We start looking at the transport layer. Mm -hmm. And then when you start understanding that you're computing and storing in many different environments, you have to take into consideration your security posture. And this is primarily around our SOC initiative. This is the consolidation of our SOCs across the DHS landscape so that when we ha uh, have an anomaly in our environment, we have one environment, one executive, one set of uh, business practices that we can rely on to ensure that we understand our uh, security posture. Wow, um, that's a, uh, uh, quite a, uh, an undertaking when you're looking at uh, not only consolidating uh, your data center footprint and sort of optimizing your computing, actually consolidating the operational entities such as the SOC and the NOC around that uh, uh, very aggressive posture there. It's a transformation uh, of how we deliver IT services in the department. Sure. Anthony, how about at, at, at Enlight? How, how do all those things sort of fit together and how does your company sort of help in those different aspects? 
Yeah, sure. Um, the Each of these have to be considered on their own merits, right? We have to look at what is best for the service that we're trying to deliver from, from all of the things that Stephen just said, from a security standpoint, from a performance standpoint, from uh, being able to migrate data between, uh, between each of these different services. Uh, so if that's going into the on-premises um, uh, virtualization that we're doing, making sure that we're virtualized to the right ratios and, and taking physical OSs and virtualizing them where we can, or are those things best migrated as, as so uh, software as a service that can be provided uh, you know, in a commodity sense in the cloud, right? Each of those things should be measured on there on their own merits and then continue to measure them as you're going forward to, to ensure that you're getting the performance that is necessary to ensure that you're achieving the cost savings that that, that you set out for uh, at the beginning. That's a very good point. You know, I've heard some stories out there where, uh, you know, there was this anticipated cost savings and they would move out into these environments and it was sort of like the buffet menu, all you could eat and all of a sudden the bill comes in and, and boy there was a lot of surprises there so uh, unintended consequences I think is we like to say but I, I'm sure that the, the, the close metering uh, of the uh, of these environments will help sort of make those good choices and understand when you're getting into that situation. Monique, how about a DOJ? Uh, tell us about how these different concepts come together uh, to realize this uh, optimization dream. Right, and I, you know, I would echo um, Stephen's points. I mean, you really see opportunities across the board. I, I mean, because it, it's forcing people uh, to rethink their business process and workflow at the same time. So, um, um, so one of the things we see, particularly across the board, is the synergy between the cloud roadmap, where we want to go, our data center um, consolidation, um, securing up our connections, the network enhancements and upgrade to support where the data now is going to be from large scale in the department, law enforcement, e-discovery, litigation needs. It also opens up opportunities for exchanging data easier. You know, you know, can we drive more standards on the exchange of now email and e-discovery across the cloud? Um, how do we get the view, the view of our footprint, both at our core, you know, we're going to three core enterprise facilities at the department. So we're looking at our data center um, tool set. So how do we get that footprint? How do we add in the cloud footprint, recognizing we're going to have this hybrid mix of commercial, on-prem cloud, um, and and then just and then just on-prem, um, you know, storage and and systems at the end of the day. So it, it's a fun place to be from innovation <laughs> standpoint right now. And I think you're seeing synergy from the stakeholders now, seeing the possibility. But you have to be smart, as you said, Luke. I mean, you, that bill can get away from you if you're not paying attention. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting what you're saying there. It's not just uh, 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 refactoring uh, the capability. It's really uh, rethinking mm -hmm. uh, entirely how you're going to approach this concept, which is uh, uh, a very interesting dynamic. Jonathan, how do you guys fit in, and, and how do you help an sure. agency pull this together? So just building on what uh, Monique said, <coughs> you really have to understand where and what your data is in order to think about a way to optimize your computing environment. Um, you know, we see uh, organizations, agencies, back up lots of data that they don't need to be backing up. Data that is very old, data that is, um, the, the backup is a duplicate of data that's already been backed up, and mm -hmm. then everybody continues to pay for that storage. So we like to think about ways to um, uh, really optimize storage through 
storing the data you really need to store, but that means you need to know where it is, you need to know what it is, so you need metadata around your, your backups, you need metadata around the data that you're, that you're storing across the enterprise. So being able to visualize where it is, understand what it is, gives you a, much, uh, a lot of information so you can make really good decisions. I'd say, i just add one other, one other piece to this. Uh, we got into this sort of situation with lots of data centers and lots of uh, duplicative um, capabilities because we made decisions at lower levels in our agencies. And when I worked in government, we tried to always bring up the conversation to uh, the department level with uh, willing participants, right? Because once you can have a broader conversation and people can understand what's in it for them by moving to an enterprise uh, <coughs> data center as opposed to some computer closet or you know small operation they run, they could start to see the opportunities for cost savings and as long as you can provide a good service, you have willing participants. And I think as long as we continue to have that broader conversation, we get people to go along with us. Um, the, the process of just saying, you must come and you got to be there by Tuesday mm -hmm. with all your data, you know, that doesn't result in you know, the best solution or in, in my experience. Sure, sure. Um, uh, interesting concept where you're, you're rolling this up and, and again, it's not just refactoring, it's really about making these broader decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, really starts to come into play. Frank, how about, how about uh, what's happening at the Air Force? It sounds like you guys have gotten really aggressive and uh, how are you all using these different concepts of virtualization, cloud computing, uh, managed services? How, how are you making those choices uh, when you're looking at your inventory and yeah. going through that process you were describing? I mean, you have to look at from two ways, uh, at least one way. The, uh, first of all, we have bases. There's a data center at every base, based upon mission. Analysis. And how many bases? At least 126. Okay. So in essence, we have 126 data centers, no matter how you look at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just as a start, starting point. Okay. Then we have to we have the determination at the bases of the applications. Which ones do you want to move into a commercial cloud or not? Some involve high com high computing, high performance computing capabilities, sure. and so that's going to be a, a one-off from what you have to do. So you have to do the analysis of the mission that you have to support. You know, we talked about data. We have data all over the place. I mean, we have lots and lots of data. There's lots of ISR data that is stored, but also deleted. And so the question is, where do you put it for the mission that's required? And a lot of it's at the base level. So you have to determine, based upon the applications, the missions, exactly where you want to have the applications. Now, virtualization is important to us. I mean, that we basically, as part of, you know, GIE, basically we all said we are going to have to virtualize everything. We want to be able to do that for the resiliency and the movement of the, of the, of the applications as necessary. And we'll talk about Coop. Coop is another interesting concept for us because we make Coop from a cloud into our bases back again. Mm -hmm. As necessary, depending on what's going on in, in the world. So it's a different Coop philosophy. Normally Coop is like I put my data out there someplace. We may have to trickle the data all the time to someplace else just because of the, of the capability we want to have to move like critical applications immediately out of a commercial cloud if we have to move them internal. And so as you do this, and there's also applications that require, uh, especially the graphic ones, graphic GPS, graphic processing unit capabilities. So in a cloud environment, we expect to not only get uh, commodity CPUs, you want graphical processing units as a commodity for us also, depending on the applications you have. 
especially when we start going now into deep learning capabilities and everything else that we want to do. And the question is, where is it going to be? A lot of the times it's going to be at the base because that's where the mission actually is and they have to have those at the base. Sure, sure. Almost like some uh, interesting, some it's like reverse engineering thinking on the, uh, on the COOP concept there. And all of these technologies now open up a world of this new capabilities that uh, are extremely interesting. Uh, Dave, how about you? Uh, where, 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 does, uh, where does QTS fit into this subject? Yeah, we bring a lot to the table in this space, I think. I think that after um, agencies and, and people come and talk about security and compliance, the next thing they want to really understand from our perspective is how can you connect me to the CSPs, right? How can you get me to these organizations quickly and fast, right? Big so problem out there today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so at, at QTS we've got some very unique relationships with some of the largest CSPs where you can actually buy our offerings off their marketplaces. So you can, you can bring in your equipment into our data center have a direct connect to the CSP. We cover all the transport fees up and down so you can move your stuff as fast as you can up there. So connection to the clouds is very, very important. The next thing that they come and ask us to about is, so when my, my equipment is in your location, what can you tell me about or what can I see? So in, in our data centers, we have what's called software-defined data centers where all the different parts of a data center release telemetry information or Internet of Things. And we capture all of this information, whether it's power, cooling, access control, roster management. We bring that out to a customer in what we call a service delivery platform. So you bring together the telemetry information coming from your equipment together with the CSP and the on-ramp solutions into a single unified platform that allows the customer to really see their entire environment end to end. You know, when you when you, you sort of refactor this into a software, and I haven't heard uh, uh, data center as a software lately. I have heard you know infrastructure as a software service. Uh, you know, once you once you bundle that into a service and set offerings, it's just incredible the amount of uh, capacity and the might of of those offerings that are available. Well, let's move into lessons learned, right? I mean, you all are pioneers in here. You're working with different agencies that uh, our partner community here that is. Uh, um, pioneering in this area, uh, what are some lessons learned that you can share with the community uh, that they need to be considering and thinking about as they uh, go on this journey? Jonathan, let me ask you at Veritas, what, what are you seeing out there that's sort of a gotcha, uh, something that uh, people ought to be considering as they're... Sure, I don't think that you can make these, these decisions in isolation, right? Communications, change management is very important if you're going to make some of the big changes that we're talking about. The technology is out there, like you said, Luke, right? There's a lot of capabilities, but figuring out how they fit into an individual organization, whether it's software uh, that we might offer or other technologies from, uh, from another partner, um, they can't be uh, they can't be deployed without an understanding about how they're going to be supported, what value they're going to provide, and how they fit in a longer-term strategy. The sort of the one-and-done software approach or hardware approach is another reason why we've gotten into some of the challenging situ situations we're in in our different agencies. So, communication change management, taking a look at and ultimately taking a look at what data is out there, what do you have, and figuring out the best way to store it. As Frank was describing, what do you need the data for? That's going to drive a lot of the decision making. So having a holistic view. Comprehensive thinking on, on, on a journey like this. Monique, how about at DOJ? Give us a lesson learned yeah. uh, in regards to the journey you've been on. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it is about the key stakeholder involvement that, um, that's critical. Communicate often. Um, uh, with your with your community, uh, 
you know, one of the things I think we have found is, um, well, you want to plan out, and planning you can't overstress. Don't be risk adverse. You know, it's okay to get dirty. You know, to learn from the process. Um, you know, adopting the agile approach. Now, you know, that's a you know, obviously that's a popular turn of art, but it's mm -hmm. something I think we, uh, as leaders in the community, have been doing our whole careers, you know. But, but really taking to heart, you know, get, break it down, learn from what you're working on, and try to set up true um, sandboxes that people can learn from it. Um, so the training, getting your community up to speed and understanding, sharing out, so establishing those internal opportunities for community of interest and sharing. And then and what we've done is we have, at our OCIO's office, is a cloud management team and we've staffed it with actual people they can go out boots on the ground they can help you you know we have um, also our data center team we've sort of teamed up together so we have solution architects we have cloud architects uh, we have folks who can go in and do an assessment and we're paying for that we've got money on the table come to us it's mm -hmm. free and we'll help you get going we'll get you seed money for accounts to play you know we're getting free training into them so um, and then we're actually going in and you need someone to document how you're going to rack and stack in the network, you mm -hmm. need someone to move, you need someone to ride in the truck to the data center, we're there, you know, so hand-to-hand -hand, we're there with them, it's one big team, and that helps folks get comfortable, they're not in it alone, over the hump, and so using our seed money that way to really help drive that change and show them the way. Yeah, uh, you know, the full partnership there, mm -hmm. it sounds like, uh, full embrace, and uh, you know, I heard a term the other day, uh, uh, fail fast, and then I heard another term, learn fast, mm -hmm. uh, which I like that better. Uh, uh, Tony, how about at Enlight? Uh, how are you guys fitting into this picture in regards to enabling this capability? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Monique characterized it really well there. That we are looking for not only a modernization um, or innovation in the equipment and the, the hardware that we that we need to monitor or to to get the telemetry that we need, but it's also an innovation and modernization in our thinking, right? So innovation in our processes and how we share data, in the analytics that are that are going to be um, taken from that, and how do we determine cost savings, and how do we um, then go back and make sure you know there's a, there's a process for determining are we still doing the right thing, right? Um, and and not be afraid to correct from that be able to uh, maybe consider some solutions that were considered risky before, right? Let's examine those as far as um, maybe putting data in a, in a commercial cloud that maybe we couldn't before, right? There, there are more offerings there now. So um, yeah, continu continuing to, to look for innovations, not only in the, in, the, in the equipment that's in the data center, but then in, in our thinking and in our people. Steve, how about a lesson learned from uh, DHS? You guys have been on this journey for a while. Uh, can you share something with the audience about uh, you know something that uh, maybe it's a Captain Obvious moment, maybe it's not, uh, but something that you want to point out? I don't know if it's Captain Obvious, but I think there are three takeaways that I'm witnessing at the department. It's credibility, communication, and skin in the game. Credibility, um, our user community, um, they already think they're in the cloud. And, and it's oversimplistic some ways, but they don't, you know, they don't see the servers, they don't see the infrastructure, they see the capability and the operational capability. When you start talking about communication, you have to be able to articulate the transformation of technology, transformation of the changes in their businesses and the enhancements that these um, um, technologies can provide. And then skin in the game. Skin in the game means that you are, as a CIO or as a, a, um, an IT leader, you are on that journey with them. 
it's hard for me to go to the CFO as a consumer of finances to not recognize that they're also a consumer of the services that I provide. The same thing goes with the Chico community. So as you start talking about your journey to the cloud, those CXO um, participants need to understand that you have their business interest in mind. And when you start talking about cloud, you start talking about application or data tier, you may be talking about a financial system that's moving. You may be talking about an, IT or an HR system that might be moving. You may be talking about somebody's you know, core business mm -hmm. and how you're uh, uh, in the game with them transforming their their business not only as a, you know as, a, as an IT leader but as also part of the mission enablement for a Department of Homeland Security well there's that uh, goal congruence again with the CXO community right it takes a village to sort of pursue this uh, activity uh, well, <clears throat> well we'll get back in just a minute we're going to take a short break uh, you are listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m. Agencies and organizations are being challenged to manage and protect explosive data growth while making that data available 24-7 and turning it into meaningful information to support critical decisions. How can you do this? With DLT Solutions and Veritas, you can optimize your data center strategy while still achieving your agency's need for data availability, growth, protection, and optimization. To learn more, visit dlt.com backslash data strategy or call 1-800-262-4DLT. Enlight is the leading software company for data center infrastructure management. Whether using their own data centers or deploying resources in the cloud, Enlight helps hundreds of organizations increase efficiencies and decrease costs of managing infrastructure. Recognized as a leader by Gartner Research, Enlight has over 20 U.S. federal agencies using or deploying their solution, which includes a module specifically to help meet the requirements of the Federal Data Center Optimization Initiative. For more information, visit Enlight.com. Complex government mandates. Budget uncertainties, rapidly evolving IT. Keeping agency missions on pace has never been more challenging. QTS can help. Our hybrid cloud solutions are purpose-built for the federal landscape. FISMA and FedRAMP compliant. JAB approved. Over 60 active ATOs. Learn more about our hybrid government cloud solutions at qtsdatacenters.com federal. QTS, it's where IT is going. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. We were talking about data center optimization, data center consolidation, and we were actually talking about uh, lessons learned. And um, let's, uh, let's wrap back with QTS data centers. Dave, let's talk about lessons learned. You've been out there working yeah. with the entire community. I'm sure you've got some lessons learned there you can share with the, yeah. uh, the audience. I think the, the thing that uh, has kind of resonated and kind of come up continually is and when people talk and agencies talk about the journey to the cloud, whether they're, they're moving out a large legacy application stack out of a data center or whatever, it, it really comes down to looking at the applications and, and understanding that not all of them are ready for the cloud yet, right? And I think that um, we, uh, we overestimate how prepared the applications are. The, the, what we've heard continually is that 10% are ready right off the bat, 15% could be made to work with some work, but 75% probably need some serious rewrite to get them to work properly up in the cloud environment. So I think that that's a real big lesson learned that not everything is ready to go right away. Sure, it's not a one size fits all, and uh, you know, in some cases, maybe it's never ready to go. Maybe it uh, stays optimized in the environment that it's in. Uh, Frank, how about you? I'm sure there's lots of lessons learned at the Air Force. Uh, that you could share with the community? I think the first one is figure out what you have. I mean, the Air Force has 
two, three thousand applications that we know of. And so you have to understand that if you're going to migrate or you're going to move to a cloud environment or virtualized environment, you have to do the inventory. And that's the assumption, and the normal assumption is that they don't, are not duplicative of each other, which is the wrong assumption. And the philosophy sometimes is you have to move an application in some order, and then later you find you have a duplicative application, and then you have mm -hmm. to figure out what you're going to do with that after you, you compress it or whatever. And the other thing is, as Nick said, you, you have to have some support. You have to support the application owners. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, we've done that now. Same thing. It's an overhead function. It's a, it's necessary because you have to get them to the point of saying, yeah, I know, because they have no idea how to migrate anything to a cloud. I mean, they've heard about lift and shift being wonderful, you know, and it doesn't work. We all know that already. But it's a, it's a question of getting them the, the help to figure out, okay, let's do the analysis to determine maybe this application should be in a cloud or not. Maybe it should be in the same cloud, but two other or three other applications that they're exchanging data with. Because this is, this is very much for us, is that if you're going to have exchange data across multiple clouds, you better understand the cost factors for doing that. And also determining what, based on you know, what the application is and the amount of data that's being moved around, what exactly is the best cloud provider? Is it internal to us? I mean, it's going to be some of us for the base level, but is it internal a DUD cloud? Is it a commercial cloud? Is it some someplace else that we haven't talked about yet? Sure. And uh, getting a baseline on that inventory, very important. All right, we're going to move over and talk about major challenges. Monique, let me ask you, you know, what's a major challenge? Obviously, funding's always out there, but beyond funding, tell us about a challenge that, uh, you know, uh, you all face that typically anyone's going to face. Yeah, I think, um at, at its core, your infrastructure, your network, having the network at the performance level you need to support the data you need to move it and how fast you need to get from point A to point B. So moving to the cloud and, and centralizing to um, data centers will just highlight that. It kind of rips the Band-Aid off of that. So, um, so, uh, so at Justice, um, uh, we are uh, we re-engineered uh, our, our tick access in sure. and out and so providing that sort of overall secured optimized access in and out of our network to the cloud and to our core um, data centers and then we're going to be adding in additional enhancements to our network to lay the pipes you know the hundred gigabit backbone you know just lay them down to 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 open up moving the data around because there's a lot of data stored locally that is you know particularly in the in the work we do you, you know everyone wants to touch their data and there's a lot of touch points on the data so that's been a huge driver for us so we're not there yet we're still in that transformation to get the network to the point where it can really support where the data needs to be at any point in time so then the synergies come with you know your data lakes and your you know really truly sharing your data and treating it as the asset it, it is Fantastic. Uh, that's really important to understand where the, the data sits and where it's going to be and where it should be and where it can be. And because of where the data sits, uh, there goes your, uh, you know, your perimeter environment. Uh, Steve, how about you? Tell us about uh, you know, uh, a challenge that uh, DHS is facing in this environment. Um, I think the largest challenge I'm seeing is uh, having a full understanding of the, the problem and then also ensuring that everybody understands their roles in trying to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Every, all the CIOs uh, um, and system owners want to go to the cloud. They want to drive down costs. They want to enhance operational capability. 
but as a, you know, in our, our roles as the CIOs, CISOs, or uh, chief architects, our, our responsibility is to ensure that pathway, to clear out the clutter so that they can get there as effectively as they can. Because each component, as we witness, they have a different level of uh, priorities based on their particular mission space, and they have different capabilities. Some are more uh, cloud um, prepared. Some are having mission challenges that are kind of taking away some attention to be able to focus in those areas. Sure. So in, in our role is ensure that we understand that as a problem, mm -hmm. understand how we can ease the migration of the cloud, and also, you know, the last part is understand the shift of the cloud technology, the role of the system integrator, the role of the IT organization, and the role that policy can provide to ensure that you have an understanding of your architecture, so you can communicate that we're all headed in the same direction. And we may get there at different times, but that we're all headed in the same direction. Okay, fantastic. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. we got about 11 minutes left. I want everyone to share a vision of the future. You know, if you could paint this picture, what does it look like in three years, right? Based on everything you know now, knowing that uh, the accelerated pace of this technology. We're going to start down at the end with Monique at DOJ. Uh, tell, us, tell us what does it look like going forward. So, um, so in about three years out, so three to five years, I would say that uh, we will have completed our network journey, so we'll have the connections we need in place. We'll have completed our consolidations. We're going down to three core central enterprise facility and the cloud first where we can with having our, um, our secure uh, commercial cloud space, a lot more FISMA high opportunities, products out there for us to use, um, and then we'll have some on-prem um, cloud uh, space as well. We'll be seeing synergies across our mission side with respect to uh, data analytics and data lake. So, so we have um, um, layering on this a, f a more mature uh, access and data sharing strategy and, and approach on top of our cloud roadmap, cloud first approach, and we will have a uh, we'll be moving on to to mature up the the results of all of our consolidation efforts. Full embracement, Veritas. Tell us about you know what does it look like from a sure. you know you're you're out there cooking this it's stuff a, up in the R and D environment. It's most right? definitely a hybrid multi cloud world, mm -hmm. uh, which really makes it challenging for people to understand where all the data is and move data between those different environments. Um, and at that, t while they're doing all of this, it, you need to be able to govern your data appropriately. For all the regulations we have today, whether it's HIPAA or it is uh, to be uh, regulations that may come based on um, activities in the, in the environment or, or something that replicates the GDPR, uh, data privacy requirements in the UK. In order to be able to be compliant, you have to be able to know where the data is, who has access to it, how can you delete it, where where is it backed up. So in that hybrid multi-cloud world, that becomes much more challenging. So um, we certainly see that. We certainly see more uh, scalable software-defined storage as a as a as a uh, real asset for organizations as they optimize and. Further, as you understand what uh, you're storing, what, what kind of data you have, you can tier your storage more effectively, and maybe we start seeing more uh, uh, long-term storage in the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's probably on the horizon. It's all about the data and where it's uh, uh, housed. QTS, uh, what, what does it look like from a QTS perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a vision and sure. a hope, right? Mm -hmm. So the vision is almost identical to what Jonathan just said. It's a, the hybrid is the future. And I think that what we're seeing is, is that people are going to have on-prem, they're going to have private, five to seven public clouds that they're using, and the management and security of all that's going to be really important. 
the, the hope that I have is that as we start, as, as QTS starts to work uh, in more highly classified environments, that some of the high side data sovereignty issues where the concern is that it needs to be on-prem, on a government property, mm -hmm. those things get lifted so that though if the data center has the property security and protocols in place, the ICD 705 and things like that, that people are comfortable bringing production and real data out into the commercial environments. Delicate subject, but uh, a big enabler if you can crack that code, right? You really start to maximize the use of some of this global technology that's available. Uh, Anthony, how about an light? What does a what does a future look like? Uh, what's over the horizon? What do you anticipate over yeah. the course of the next two to three years? Well, at Enlight, we we see all of the great data that we're able to gather, all of the data feeds that we're able to provide to other systems, and what we we see as a vision is uh, the true the, the use of true AI and deep learning to be able to drive decisions for um, for customers. Right, that that used to be more in the maybe five to ten year range, and now it's closer to the three year range of when those things are actually going to be viable and. And, 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 and something that you can verify and trust. Um, longer term, that would then hopefully drive your automation as well, right? To be able to automate perhaps the move or the migration between these hybrid solutions, right? So to load balance based off of cost or security or, or um, uh, when you need those, those resources to be able to shift from uh, maybe on-premise to the cloud and back Based off of uh, uh, when it, you know, based off of what you need. Yeah, I think uh, everyone's uh, concerned about vendor lock-in. They want to have uh, sort of the slippery environment where they can move from one to the other. Uh, I'd love to get to the point. It's an interesting concept where you could you could do that uh, in an automated fashion. You know, based on uh, whatever type of rule-based and decisions that you make. Frank, how about at the Air Force? You know, what does the uh, what does the uh, environment look like? as you move into uh, <clears throat> 2020, et cetera? Well, it's going to be a multi-cloud, obviously. It's, we, we, the purpose of us is to look at resiliency of the mission as across the multi-cloud. We may have data clouds, which are different than processing clouds. We've talked about having that already, so that all the processing clouds can access the data cloud, and we have the data cloud in one place. We've talked about having a quantum cloud, that we could do some special processing in the quantum cloud that's related to it in terms of deep learning and some other capabilities also. So, and as we go down to this multi-cloud environment, we, since we have to make sure that it's secure and we have to do an RMF process across every application that we have, including the data access applications, how, quick, how effective and how quickly can we actually do overlays to support how we get an ATO to actually start doing this? Because that's been the, one of the problem spaces we've had already is we hit some overlays from the, from each of the cloud vendors and the application tools, but how fast can we actually put things together? And we will have secure clouds. I mean, secret clouds are already there's already a secret cloud, commercial cloud out there for us right now. Mm -hmm. that, so I, it's, I hear about ATO in a day. Are we are we, uh, are we looking at? We're ATO trying to get to day? ATO in a day, which is really hard. But that's mm -hmm. that's the concept is how fast can you do it? And a lot of that's due to how agile programming capabilities that you have that you can utilize in your process to determine a lot of the controls are automatically automatically satisfied and we're also looking at continuously monitoring of those controls not only for RMF controls but also for FISCAM controls for the, for the audit. 
I would imagine that uh, you know technologies such as containerization, et cetera, really help with this, right? To, to adopt that sort of slippery kind of com configuration that uh, that Anthony, you were talking about as well. How about uh, Stephen? Uh, what does the uh, the prospects look like as you move into 2020, 2021? You guys are laying the tracks down over there. Um, what does it look like? Um, it, it looks like a change of the operational seams for DHS. Uh, traditional multi-component um, networks will change. Uh, the current uh, construct with uh, primary data centers is going clearly going to hybrid. Uh, consolidation of security and potentially uh, network operation capability will allow us to have much more of a seamless delivery model. And if you start talking in 20, 21, 22, you're starting to talk about a uh, a data-driven IT delivery model where it's based on the consumption metrics, the telemetry of the data, as well as having a firm understanding of the underlying architecture about how you uh, increase your speed of delivery as well as understand the, uh, the cost consumption of that model. That's what 2021 looks like for DHS. Quick lightning round for any of you. Uh, number one barrier, Jonathan, that you see out there right now. Absolute number one. Uh, the environment is, is so complex that it's hard for people to uh, figure out where to start. Anthony. Uh, reliable data sets that, uh, that, customers can, um, that customers can act on. Monique. Ne network, ability to get data where you need it from point A to point B as fast as possible. Dave. Procurement. Procurement. Yeah. Frank. Contract vehicles. We don't have enough to do the migration, nor we have enough to go to the cloud. Enough or the right ones? We don't have any ones that are very good for cross all of DOD. <coughs> Steve. All of the above, <laughs> uh, but I would also like to focus on the human capital aspects on this. You know, change is hard. Uh, people's roles will be modified. People's understanding of the value for the mission will be enhanced. And then the necessity of IT leaders to ensure that they're communicating effectively the vision and outcome that we're all trying to drive through, that we can have the outcomes that we desire. Yeah, you know, I, I really feel like as you get into this new environment, it's scary, right, for a lot of folks, for a lot of different reasons. It used to be the security of the data and, you know, can we do that? I think we're over that now. And then it's just sort of this new dynamic that everyone's realizing. And there's a lot of cheese that gets moved and a lot of uh, reskilling that has to happen. And um, uh, But, you know, I think we all agree that, listen, all we're trying to do here is push up the, uh, the value chain here, right? There's lots of uh, opportunity there, and there's lots of times where, as a community, we have to say no because we can't do it uh, because we're dealing with technical debt, et cetera. And if we can, we can shift that over to uh, an environment that, uh, that, that uh, you know, does that as table stakes and then move up the value chain and uh, you know, enable the, uh, the warfighter and enable the airmen, enable the, uh, the prosecutors, you know, name your mission, uh, then, uh, uh, that we're all going to be better for it. So um, <clears throat> I'd like to thank all of you uh, today for taking the time out of your very busy schedules to join us for this program. I'd like to thank our sponsors for Without We Don't Have a Show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Radio that make the program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience, who tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, and federalnewsradio.com.
Thank you for listening to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to it in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsradio.com.